Hi guys, my name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hello, how are you doing? Welcome to episode 74 of Legally Clueless. I am so thankful that you listen to this podcast, that you're part of the tribe. Remember, you can join us on Instagram. That's at Legally Clueless Podcast. In fact, if you've ever wanted to be on the podcast, Yanni, share a story on the podcast. There's a video on our Instagram page about how you can do that. I'm trying out my video editing skills. <laughs> So make sure you go and check it out. However, I do hope that you're taking good care of yourself during this pandemic. I totally relate with the many articles talking about how people are getting used to it. And that causes two things. Some people get a bit reckless because you just revert to before corona behaviors. But for me, I think I've just made peace with my masks, with my sanitizer, with limiting interactions with people and as of now because I know things are not constant especially when it comes to my emotions as of now I'm adapting to that but I'm also trying to limit the amount of draining information that I interact with so you know around deaths and things like that I just want to hang on to this one place that I'm at I know it's a bit selfish but I want to hang on to this one place for as long as I can. Because <laughs> as I said, it's never constant. So in this episode, one of the Legally Clueless tribe is going to be sharing such a necessary heart-wrenching story. Listen to this. I thought, why not go to Nairobi? And coming from a small village, it was something. Going to University it was a big deal. I'm the firstborn in my family and uh, I am an orphan. I landed in Nairobi. I went to stay with my aunt. She has this huge house. She used to have a house help. When I arrived, I offered, you know, as a way of thanking her. And I thought, you know, as a good village person, I would go and, uh, you know, try and help around the house. In 2018, that's when I started having these migraines. And all this time, her children didn't do anything. They would wake up, surf the internet from morning to evening. So in May of 2018, I I collapsed in class during a presentation. I was told that I had just suffered a minor cardiac arrest. When I received the story demo for this particular story, I was just like, oh, wanted to rush over and give him several hugs. But also it's such an important conversation that we normally don't know how to navigate around because the abuse or the torture or the negativity comes from a stranger, it's almost easier to kind of confront it or speak about it. But when it comes from your family, oof, it's normally very tricky to navigate. And we're going to get to that a little later in this episode. However, this week has just been, hey, <laughs> Let me tell you, my anxiety came back full force. I think I had a total of three anxiety attacks in the span of two days. Yeah, hectic. So last week on Saturday, as I was having my laptop issues, which I talked about in the last episode, I received a call from somebody who I really trust and respect because 
we have similar values. And she tells me there's a youth program being launched and I'd love you to host it and moderate a panel. And the president of Kenya is also going to be having a Q&A with young Kenyans and I'd love you to moderate that as well. I've done an event like this before a year ago. In fact, I'd done it with her, which is why she had actually reached out to me. So in the chaos of the laptoping... <laughs> I say yes without even like giving it too much thought. And then Sunday, I'm feeling a bit anxious about it because when it comes to government things, I'm very vocal about the things government is doing that I think they shouldn't be doing and the things they're not doing that I think they should be doing. And so I was wondering... In this event, will I have agency over my truth? Will I be able to ask the questions that I want to ask? Am I going to look like a sellout? So this is like bubbling on Sunday. Eh? Hiya. In comes Monday. So, oh, Monday was Val's birthday. My best friend who has made cameos. <laughs> Can you call it a cameo if it's audio? <laughs> on this podcast before it was her birthday so I went to surprise her with cake and on the way there the organizers for the event call me I'm still like okay cool I, I'll do it I think I'll do it then my co-host calls me and he has co-host for the event he has a few reservations and then I just take on all of that anxiety that he's having so by the time I get to Val's, we have the cake, fun times, and then I tell her about it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to call them and just say, I changed my mind and I can't do this. And on the drive back home, I was like, man, maybe I can even just call them and tell them I'm not feeling well. I might say something has happened in my family. I have a personal emergency. Like, <laughs> I'm having all of these thoughts. So I get home and I call um, the lady that I mentioned who I completely respect and I'm just so happy that she's part of my tribe of women in my career whether she likes it or not I call her and I'm just like oh my god oh my god I'm freaking out I'm not sure I want to do this blah blah so she's like okay let's walk through this what are your reservations I tell her she's like what issues would you want to highlight I tell her she's like great that's gonna be possible because we're not trying to censor you I'm gonna make sure that the program is in such a way that it benefits you and the things that you stand for. So I'm like, all right, all right, it's cool. Later that evening, I have my first panic attack. My partner, Fowl, bless him, has to kind of like calm me down. And I reached out to a couple of, actually just one friend. <laughs> I like saying a couple, like I have so many friends. <laughs> it is not the case, man. <laughs> Anyways, I reached out to a friend and he sends me a long message just like, you know, trying to rationalize everything. Tuesday comes. Hey, now you know we're doing, and this is a virtual event. So we do a dry run on Zoom, have calls with all the panelists, and I'm just like freaking out. Because one of the issues I wanted to address was like teen pregnancies. I really don't like the direction, especially the Ministry of Education has taken. There's a rep from that ministry in one of the panels I'm moderating. <sighs> so I start having the second anxiety attack and I can't breathe. I feel like my chest is so heavy. And then the funny thing that happens is my eyesight becomes blurry. And it's always so funny because I've told this to my therapist once and she was like, just forgive me for laughing. But genuinely, with my eyesight, it feels like my eyeballs are shaking. Not my head, my eyeball. I can't explain it. It's just, it's intense. I'm going through this. Luckily, I have another woman and I'm going to shout her out. Joking Gumi. I called that like 10 p.m. 
<laughs> on Tuesday. This is the day before the event. I call and I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm freaking out. I don't know. Ugh, like I'm in the middle of an anxiety attack. I can't breathe, blah, blah. And you know, she calms me down, walks me through why it's important for me to have that space and that microphone and to speak certain truths. She helps me craft some of my questions, especially the ones that I was like, I'm having a problem with this one. I feel like it doesn't say what I wanted to say. Um, I test some of the questions with her. I'm like, have I missed out something? She just helps me. Why that was so important for me is because I've said this before in this, probably even episode one or two. In traditional radio, people are pitted against each other. And so it becomes a competitive field, even when it really should not be because you're there because of your personality. Nobody can be Adele better than Adele. Nobody can be John better than John. But the management in most of the media houses pits people against each other. So you think you're in competition. And if you're not conscious enough, you won't question. And so because of that, in traditional radio, I always felt like I did not have people to turn to for advice or for help. I think the only person I could have candid conversations with was Linda Nyangweso, who has also been on the podcast before. And it's because we shared that lack of companionship, you know what I mean? Um, and decided to create our own. So this moment when Joki was so important to me because I was like, wow, this is what it feels like. <laughs> I've never had this. <laughs> it's like when you leave a toxic relationship and then you get into a healthy one and you're just like, hiya. You mean, wow, we can have like <laughs> genuine conversations. Oh, you mean you can support me? Oh, wow. <laughs> you mean you communicate? Hey. Anyway, so she walks me through this. Then Wednesday comes. I'm so nervous. My makeup artist, Daisy, who's just amazing, calms me down throughout the process. And generally, the team, so I was contracted by a consultancy firm. They're not linked to government. And so they did their best. Oh, I appreciate them. Whenever they call me, I will do anything they ask me to because they protected my truth, my agency, my voice, sometimes even when other factors were trying to infiltrate. <laughs> and so they really made the day go so beautifully. Um, and then the final thing that I got to do was ask the president a question. And it went so well. I thought my voice was shaking. <laughs> like when I was speaking, I thought, I'm like, is this man even hearing me? Because my voice, hey! <laughs> But then when I rewatched it, I was like, hiya, wow, like my voice wasn't as shaky as it was in my head. And it went really well. And I'm, I'm so thankful. But that was the week. And then, you know, off of that event going well, I was on a high. And later on today, being Sunday, I'm going to hang out with my niece. Ah, I'm so excited. She's just like the coolest person ever, which is crazy because she's only a couple of weeks old. <laughs> but being an auntie is such joy. Oh my God. It's such joy. I even chatted one of my closest aunts, Auntie Jane. And I was like, Kumbi, this is why you love me so much. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I think also because I didn't go through the pain of the pregnancy or the childbirth. <laughs> and I also don't had to go through the late nights or the lack of sleep <laughs> that our parents go through. I just get the good bits. 
<laughs> so let's jump into the song of the week, which is a song that is just giving me so much joy. I stumbled on it on my Apple Music. I was just listening to some pre-curated playlists, not curated by me. And then the song started playing and I was like, eh, 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 please, what is that dopeness coming from the speaker? And it is called Icy. It's by Pink Sweats. Ah, just check the description of this episode. You'll find a link to the music video. It just puts me in such a good mood. It's a feel-good song. It's a feel-good song. Since I've just interacted with it, I don't know the lyrics, Kabisa. <laughs> I'm probably singing the wrong things. So I can't tell whether it's deep or not, but it just makes me feel good. And I wanted to do that for you as well. So on 100 African Stories in this episode, as I mentioned earlier, it's about interactions with family and toxic interactions with toxic relatives. So when I was recording this story, I, at the very beginning, Jesse mentions, Jesse, who's the storyteller, mentions how he's an orphan. And that really stood with me because after my mom died, maybe like two years later is when I was like, oh, wait, I'm an orphan. Because I was just trying to understand this new label because my dad died in 2007 wasn't super close to him my parents divorced i've said this on episodes before and he died just as i was attempting to fix our relationship although now that i'm older in hindsight i really don't think our relationship could ever have been fixed now that i fully grasp the things he did to us as kids and the things he did to my mom but obviously at that time I'm just like oh rainbows and butterflies I will forgive this man but in hindsight I'm like oh even if you were alive I'm not too sure we would be able to kick it and then of course I lost my mom in 2013 so when Jesse said he's an orphan I was like oh my god here's this word again that I'm not too sure how to navigate and then we record the story, hearing what he went through with a toxic relative. This phrase comes to my mind. Every family has that one relative. Sometimes we call it that mad relative or that wild one. And I think it's us running away and trying to normalize something that shouldn't be normal. It is not normal for somebody to be cruel to another person, whether they're related or not. And Jesse's story made me realize that. In what way? I'll tell you after you listen to his story. A hundred African stories. There is no proper life that you live in university as a musician. If I constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself, I'm never going to get anything done. Uh, there was a bit of frustration in between all of that. I've been breaking my back for this company. Therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy. Stories from Africa. My name is Jesse Ntenge Ereri and I'm from a county called Tarakanithi in Choka in Kenya. I'm 21 years old and I'm a student at Kenyatta University. Currently in my fourth year taking theater arts. Before I went to the university, I, I wanted a course that would uh, help me nurture my talent, which was performing and writing. And uh, I thought, why not go to Nairobi? And coming from a small village, it was something that Nairobi, you know, it has these huge platforms that you know help people nurture their talents yeah so going to university was kind of a big deal i'm the first born in my family and uh, i am an orphan we are two 
I and my younger sister we were both raised by our grandparents who thankfully were able to pull us through uh high school and uh, my younger sister she is currently in form 2 but yeah i managed to get to campus going to campus was like this i have to do this if not for me for my grandparents who have really worked hard for me and also for my younger sister to show her that anything is possible even though you're from a small village and uh i landed in nairobi on uh in 2016 but uh sometime in september and that is when i i joined campus fresh from high school you know happy with big starry eyes and all these hopes and dreams in your small suitcase <laughs> it may sound cliche but you know this was it this was my time to kuamoka or you know make it little did i know that this would be the start of something that would be completely opposite of what i had come up i had grown up knowing about family and and uh, you know cohesiveness taking care of each other and it challenged me i landed in nairobi and uh, i went to stay with my family my aunt a distant aunt who had uh, initially offered to accommodate me at her place and uh, this was heaven because i didn't have to pay rent i that was a burden taken off my grandparents shoulders and uh, i had a place to stay i had a place to eat and also keep me in touch you know with family i know i was not a total stranger i was not with total strangers you know and uh, the first few months it was okay around 6 6 months you know and uh, my aunt was a teacher she she's still a teacher at uh, a primary school in Sababan area in Nairobi and uh, she has this huge house and she used to have a house help and when i arrived i offered you know as a way of thanking her and for not paying rent and not having uh, to pay for food i i thought you know as a good village person <laughs> I would go and uh, you know try and help around the house maybe clean the house sometime uh make them some meals every night and then but little did I know I was opening a can of worms at first it was effortless you know kujitolea and everything and I was I was happy doing it but now uh, after the stu- the school really started kicking in session you know with doing theater arts you have to whole long hours of rehearsal sometimes overnight rehearsals and you know you come home you're tired and maybe you tend to oversleep and then that's when the abuse started the emotional abuse she would wake up and start saying to you, okay sorry she has she has three children two daughters and a son the son is a year older than me and uh, the two daughters are younger she fired her house help or rather she let her go since i was doing almost all the work and uh, she she told me now we would be helping each other around the house so 
here I am with busy school, busy with schoolwork and moving around. You know, coming home late sometimes, even at eleven in Nairobi. She used to live around State House Road, uh, Abaretam Drive. I would come, and you know, there are no matters to from town to Abaretam, so I had to walk from town. Even though I I got to town from rehearsal from maybe around midnight, and you have to run through. <laughs> run through the streets or walk really fast to get to the safer parts of the of the road. Sometimes I would Uber if I had enough money saved over, and uh, you know you come home and you find her there, and she's angry waiting for you at the door, and she starts asking you where have you been, why do you pull these long hours? You know you would have done something else, maybe medicine. They don't pull. You know they don't keep you in school for that long. She not she started making me feel uh, insecure about what I was doing, and she made me feel safe at first. But now she started getting off really offensive, and naturally I don't talk much. I think she took this as a I don't know. She took this as a motivation to keep on uh, telling me what I should do. You know, if my rehearsal starts maybe after classes, I should maybe you know skip. A day or two of rehearsal, and you know, come help around the house. And uh, while I'm saying this, the son uh, used to to attend campus uh, around uh, CBD, so it was really easy for him to go home and you know help around after classes. And I used to go all the way from State House to Ruiru. That's where my campus is. And you know, I would go wake up in the morning at seven. Or sometimes I wake up at five if I have classes at seven and spend the whole day and maybe sometimes come back home at one or two in the morning. And you know this really rattled her up because she thought, you know, here you are, you're not doing any, you're not paying anything, you're not paying rent, you're not paying for food, and you can afford to stay out late and come. You just you just come, eat food, sleep, wake up, go back to school again. On Saturdays she would know. She just tell me, you know, it's your time to clean the house. And she has this really big house, and it's a story house, and uh, it has a lot of windows, and the floors are wood, polished wood. I would scrub them every single Saturday, regardless if I have rehearsals later in the day or if I have assignments to do. She just she didn't care. Let me just say she was really abusive, verbally abusive. She would complain about. Everything I did, everything I, she did not appreciate anything, anything at all. You cook food, she's like, ah, oh, it's too salty. You make tea, she tells you, ah, oh, you put too much milk. I don't like that. Did you skimmed milk or did you use whole milk? You dust everywhere around the house, and she'd start complaining and saying, oh, you have not. There's a spot you've missed. You did not clean my bedroom. You did not take out the sheets. You did not do any. I mean, it was just. Complaints, complaints. I endured this for almost a year. When I talk to my grandparents, they would tell me, "You just bear it, bear with it. You know, you're you're about to finish." And now I, <laughs> I'd laugh and ask them, "It's, I have three years to go. I'm not about to finish anything." And they just say, "You know, beggars can't be choosers." And I just, you know, keep quiet and maybe sometimes go to a barretum park and you know sit somewhere and cry because. It was really hard. In 2018, that's when I started uh, 
having these migraines from lack of sleep and you know sometimes i'd go to school without carrying food or money for lunch and sometimes i'd forget to eat and you know panicking every time as asking looking at the watch you know i'll be late to go home and do chores and all this time her children didn't do anything they would wake up you know surf the internet from morning to evening stream movies and everything and the way i left the house in the morning that's how i'd find it in the evening and they're not be given flack about it so it all rested on me and it was heavy <laughs> let me just say for lack of a better word it was really heavy to carry that burden uh, even as you're performing to a to a panel of your lecturers the sometimes you forget what you're doing and you uh, you it just <sighs> it just keep quiet or forget what you're doing and you know have these time lapses and blanks during presentations or performances and this really took a toll on my gpa in school and i i was called for a disciplinary hearing because of being absent minded in class during performances or presentations and when i was asked i found myself <laughs> defending my family my family being my aunt defending her telling the panel that i'm not being overworked it's just that i don't know how to manage my time well so in may of 2018 i i collapsed in class during a presentation and uh, the lecturer took me to the health unit uh, in campus we have a, a small dispensary and i remember i felt as if i was floating after that i woke up 2 hours later in a bed in the main campus in the main campus hospital and uh, i was told that i had just suffered a minor cardiac arrest this was shocking and you know the way <laughs> <laughs> Let me just for lack of a better word African nurses they they come and swarm you with questions even on your on your on the hospital bed they start asking kijana mdogo kama wewe unaweza toa happy stress eh stress ndio you know watu saizi unaweza toa happy stress na hauna bibi ama familia and you know you just keep quiet and look at them and even one nurse had the audacity to ask me kweni you wanted to kill yourself because of your girlfriend and <laughs> I could not say anything. I could not tell them it was my aunt who was overworking me. I couldn't I didn't have I couldn't sleep. My head is throbbing. It's painful. I I can't even think straight when I stand up. I couldn't even walk. And this this nurse is just I I kept quiet and eventually they gave up and I was admitted uh for an overnight observation and then i was discharged the following day with some medication for some pain relievers and i was told to come back after two days for checkup so i went home when i arrived home my aunt had did not even bother to call me she didn't ask me where i was she thought i was having my overnight <laughs> rehearsal i came home to find that uh, the has my uncle and uh, my younger my other cousins had left for a prayer retreat in heaven's gate and now we were the two of us in the house i came home i continued about my chores mind you my head is about i feel like my head is exploding i'm hitting all over and yeah so i my 
my aunt came and told me that she was expecting a guest that evening and she had a uh, a friend now yeah the friend was from namibia and she was uh, uh, an entrepreneur and she had this big huge nigerian bags full of uh, human hair and you know hair extensions wigs weaves and you know she would just import, uh, bring them from namibia at a cheaper price and come to sell them to kenya in kenya i'm sorry and this was the first time they had met in over three years so you can imagine the feast that was prepared and after the food i i did the dishes after communing with her and i left them to talk i did the dishes and left at around 2 a.m in the morning my aunt woke me up and she told me that uh the curtains needed to be washed and i asked her couldn't it wait till morning and then she she turned into this raging human this raging uh, beast and she started hitting me insulting me telling me that i've been an, an ungrateful person i i did not care about anyone but myself i am selfish i I just leave in the morning and come in the evening expecting everything will be laid out for me as if I had employed them and I I was I was at a loss for words and at this time my my head was splitting I was in pain and I I I I could, I, I could not say anything I could not do anything I was at this woman's mercy and I could not even her husband was not there to calm her down and this friend of hers had was in there it was in another room and she was just listening at the hallway listening at what was happening and i i did not know what to do so i got up i took out i took out the curtains i washed them hand wash i hand washed them at 3 in the morning i hung them out to dry and I didn't even go back to sleep. I went for a walk at at 4 a.m. I walked all the way to Dennis Street's road and back <laughs> back to Britain Drive. I went to town. I came back again and just waiting, just you know thinking about what is really happening and by the time I came back my head my ears were boiling. I was hot all over and that is when I, and i got to the gate i collapsed again now this time i i was taken to hospital at uh, bliss it's uh, a chain of dispensaries around kenyatta avenue and i was given some injections for the pain and then i was referred to my because of my school idea i was referred back to my school to my school uh, hospital and that's where i was told that due to the level of stress hormone cortisol in my body my brain had had shrunk <laughs> my prefrontal cortex had shrunk and i had i could not go anywhere with that level of toxicity in my blood so i I stayed in hospital for 3 days. I called my grandparents and they managed to get uh, a few of my direct aunties to come and take care of me while in the hospital. I all this time I did not I told that lady that I had gone to stay with my aunties so I would be back after a week or so. The CT scan showed that my sizable portion of my brain had shrunk by 3% and that is when it hit me that 
if I continued staying at this place, I would eventually die. I had started developing signs of jaundice because of excess bile in my system. I could not even structure out a single sentence on paper. I could not speak coherently and I, I could not even eat. I was forced on uh, some sleep medication over a period of five days and uh, I started getting better eventually and all this time I was thinking and asking myself am I broken will I be the same again is this the price I have to pay to learn is this is this what relatives do you know overwork their other relatives because they're offering a service is this the kind of society where I want to bring my children into and you know, relying on, on the word of your rel- of another relative that will take care of your children only to find them they are dead or mistreated and abused. And all this time, I, I came to learn later that I was being gaslighted by this woman. She was all merry and stuff and, you know, sprinkles and chocolate until it all turned to be some... <sighs> it all turned to be something else. And I think I... I, div- I said something to myself during that period I was recovering. I said that if I don't have a place to stay in Nairobi or anywhere I travel, I just I better not go. If my if I can't finance it or if my grandparents or my relative or my close guardian cannot find it, why not? Why go? Why 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 bother yourself to do it again? Because it will all come back again now. I even have trust issues. <laughs> I've learned to live with it. Every time I hear, uh, I hear that we are going somewhere for a celebration, I just I stay home and I find peace with that. I I even fear of I fear going out again, even to people, to friends, with friends I have or to friends' places, because I don't know how long it will take for them to you know mistreat me again. I. I have trauma from that period and this lady the, did not even didn't even apologize she didn't know what went on because i thought you know i don't i don't have to tell them i i i don't have to tell them what happened because they know even though they are not they were not aware of it they know i would not want for anyone to go through what i went through adele that was so close to death and thinking i have a younger sister at home and with no other siblings and with grandparents who have sacrificed everything to get me to where I am. No, that I would not wish that on anyone. I left after after recovering for about a week. I, I was discharged and went immediately to my grandparents' place in the countryside. I told them what had happened now in detail, not from the phone. And they were just, they were shocked. They they were mom, they didn't even know what to what to do. They just told me, I'm sorry, we are sorry for putting you through all that. We didn't know what kind of person we were putting you in. And we didn't know who, who exactly, what exactly we were doing. We thought, you know, her being your, your aunt, she would take care of you just like she would take care of her children. And she had promised us such. I managed to recuperate fully and yeah, now I'm well and <laughs> thank God for the far he has brought me. It wasn't easy. There are times I'd have, you know, nightmares, 
you know every time i hear someone shouting i would you know replay that fateful morning and you know just go rigid and become apprehensive all, all over again but thank god it's it's done so after i after i recovered i went back to school but now my grandparents stretched themselves again and managed to get me a place nearer to school where i didn't have to commute on a daily basis and yeah the rest is not history but it helped me it really helped me because i i got to be part of a forum called uh, amazing minds by a friend of mine his his name is sam talam he it's a psycho psychotherapy group it deals mostly with uh youth and around the campuses and um sometimes i go and share experiences and also learn from other people who have gone through the same thing issues of abuse be it physical or emotional and you know we get to share and listen to these amazing stories and for me it has been that enough that alone was enough to help me heal fully as much as it's painful sometimes to narrate the story again it's you know it's like i get healed a little more when i share the story and to date i didn't tell my my aunt what happened or why i left i just told her that uh, my grandparents had decided to let me rent out at a place nearer to school and if she comes and you know demands to ask her even she, if she listens to this story i just i'll be ready for her <laughs> i'll be ready to confront her and maybe tell her what she did to me wasn't right catch our next african stories in the next episode man so first this story is just a reminder that we need to be careful about stress and because you can't see stress you normally downplay the effects it has on your health but wow finding a healthy coping mechanism or outlet for your stress is so important oh my god that story just in, in so many points broke my heart but i'm just so glad it ended on like a happy note. I have to apologize um so parts of the audio may not be as clear as I would have loved them to be but it's because of where Jesse was. We were recording it remotely and so there was not a good internet connection and so we had to revert to plan B to be able to record it. And then the second thing in terms of normalizing that toxic re- relative as uh, every family has one of those uh uh-uh, please being cruel is not normal neither should it be tolerated i remember after my parents divorced and it was not those amicable divorces my dad was horrible to my mother we ended up moving in with some relatives and man there's so many relatives who came through for us at that time even just to make things seem normal for us kids cuz looking back for like 90% of that time i thought everything was normal like me my 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 life my living conditions everything seemed so normal i was still in the same school i was eating meals i was still getting bugged about homework <laughs> i was still going for swimming galas training i never missed or lacked anything even though my mom was really going through it in life remember she had been diagnosed with breast cancer 
going through the most at work, going through this divorce. But even then, we had such supportive relatives. It was amazing. But there's always that one. (laughs) And I remember a relative telling me, I think I was being scolded for something I don't know, but a relative telling me that I should go back to my father's people. Ugh, man, it really broke my heart. That really broke my heart. And being the last one that I am, I snitched to my mom, to my uncle, to my sisters, to everybody in true last one nature. And she, (laughs) you know, they confronted that relative And years later, I think maybe, what, three, four years ago, I actually also confronted that relative and I said, you know, when I was this number of years old, you told me ABCD, I have never been able to relate with you the same since. It didn't end amicably, (laughs) but it felt good to be able to say, hey, you did this to me. Hey, you did this to my sisters. Hey, you did this to my mom. And... Don't for one second think that I've forgotten that. And I did also articulate that the only way healing can happen is if people acknowledge their wrongs, apologize for the wrongs, give the other person a chance to absorb that apology if they want to. Then the conversation about can we figure out this relationship, can we rebuild it, can be had. Needless to say, our relationship... (laughs) Is like at 1%. <laughs> All right. And if the story made you feel a particular way or made you remember something that you've experienced, feel free to let me know on the Legally Clueless hotline number, which is plus 254-768-628-790. I absolutely love getting messages from you. Hey Adele, morning. It's Mboche. I am so happy listening to your uh, to this week's episode with you and Val. I really envy your relationship. It's so it seems fun the way you guys encourage each other and you're there for each other, even through your stories. And I can get when you're having your inside jokes, even when you're talking to each other. It was just so fun. And maybe next time you can do like over an hour because it's just, it's really fun listening to you. And it it makes me crave for such a relationship. I also want to be a writer, but I'm full of self-doubt and I don't know, fear. I don't trust my work and stuff. So I've never put it out somewhere, but I plan to do so maybe soon. I don't know when. And listening to Val talk about her journey, even back when in the previous episodes, I feel like, yeah, maybe I can start soon. That was sent in by Mboche, aka Esther Mboche. Thank you so much. At the end of this past week, I did go through all of the story demos, I want to say. There were quite a few. Thank you to everybody who has sent through their story demos. I have scheduled recordings for the whole of August. So now I'm scheduling recordings for September. So if you want to share your story on this podcast, just send a one minute story demo. Just tell me a bit about the story you want to share to the podcast number. It's very simple. Head over to Legally Clueless Podcast on Instagram. There's a video on the IGTV tab about that. 
Also, remember, you can catch this podcast on Trace FM. Head over to traceradio.ca.ke for a list of all the frequencies, especially now that we can move around this country. <laughs> you can tune in the old-fashioned way or you can stream on that website. And the podcast is also on Ghana, G-A-A-N-A, which is... India's leading music and podcast streaming platform. So if you have family in India, tell them they can now listen to Legally Clueless from the comfort of Ghana. And finally, the podcast is going to be on an African super app very soon. I'm super excited about it. But yeah, that's going to be coming soon. Once it does, I will definitely let you know about that. And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode. 